0: The tide was high when we arrived at the lighthouse, and waves crashed against the rock with a deafening roar. It had been some time since we set foot in the King's Domain, and we hoped he hadn't taken it as a slight. Knocking on the door, we were greeted silently by Topo, and led into the dimly-lit interior to see the Aquaman. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Oh man. We're back and we're back with Aquaman. Guess and, he's back. Yeah, back back again, baby. Um we're gonna talk about this a little bit more in the summary. But it's just it's something that I really enjoy about Aquaman's books, is that it specifically like very much is <laughs> Him doing mundane shit. Fetch quests. And, yeah, they're fetch quests. They're like level one adventure things. And I I just, I find it so endearing that it's he like, really is just like the nice dude of the sea.
1: Instead of judge, jury, and executioner, he's like shopkeeper, actor, and sheriff.
0: Yeah, he's he's neighborhood watch of the ocean. Yeah, Oh yeah. And yeah. like, he's just a nice dude. He's Superman, but in, wa- in water, but without the like, overpowered nature and also like doing everything so we'll go into that a little bit more um after this but uh we have a we have quite a bit to cover and actually we flip-flop a lot in this one between a bunch of different titles uh so joanne just keep up with me um and it's kind of interesting like i said we're going to flip-flop between i think four or i think four or five different books because he's just in so many different books at this time And then we're going to end with the first issue of Aquaman. So that'll kind of round us out for this episode. So we're going to start, however, back in Adventure Comics number 282, March 1961. Now remember, Adventure was the book that he was appearing in more frequently after showing up in Showcase uh, at the start of his career when he was being written. Most of these stories, if I'm not mistaken, were written by Jack Miller. Oh, that's why the name sounds familiar. Okay, he's the primary writer for, for Martian Manhunter
1: okay what a different
0: what a difference a character makes
1: i hmm yeah Uh, i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna delve into this a little bit more later on but honestly i don't even know how much of it is the character so much just animals are just cooler than powers
0: (laughs) oh my god i think that's exactly what it is like i think animals are cooler than powers like
1: the thing that so jumping ahead a little bit but there's a bit where aquaman gets like a bunch actually this is when this is when jimmy olsen is uh cosplaying as aquaman effectively taking his place for a little while uh makes a way for a starlet to get from her stranded like sea helicopter to land by just summoning a bunch of sea turtles to make like a walkway compare that to like, if Martian Manhunter, like, made, grabbed a bunch of rocks and, like, threw out, like, a path for her to walk along, it's like, no, sea turtles are just cooler than yeah. making
0: giant rock pathway. Sea turtles, mate. Uh, <laughs> Adventure Comics, number 282, March 1961. Aquaman and Aqualad track down a crook who basically evades them a lot over land and tests the limit of their vulnerability on land. Remember everyone, Aquaman can't stay on dry land for longer than an hour or else he dies, so he needs to be in some contact with liquid. And as we find, snow works, melted snow, goat's milk, and uh, radiator fluid from cars. Uh, Just a few things. Basically, it's like, as long as it's liquid, And has the base construction of water being its primary, you know, component. It can keep him and Aqualad alive. They don't need to drink it. They can just, like, splash it on their face. It's very specific. Uh, Again... Just a slight recap. Aquaman is kind of stronger than a normal human being. He can withstand the crushing pressures of the deep. He can swim incredibly fast. Um, he can communicate with fish and speak underwater to Aqualad. He can get fish to do his bidding as he is the king of the sea. Question mark. Um, he is half Atlantean, half human. Just a recap of the abilities that Aquaman has. Um, and also the vulnerability of having to be on land uh for over an hour kills him. We move on to showcase number 31. March, April 1961. Aquaman and Aqualad fight a guy with another evolution gun. Somewhere in the DC universe, there's a guy just making bank off of Gorilla Grodd, a bunch of Flash enemies, and Aquaman enemies who are just using evolution guns all over the goddamn place. And it's it's a very strange thing. And I feel like there's a, there's a, a senior thesis paper to be written about comics and evolution guns during the 1960s, but we're not here to write it. Adventure Comics number 284, May 1961. A man disables Aquaman's army of fish by changing like a large section of the ocean into freshwater. And a lot of the ocean creatures can't live in freshwater, obviously, because they're, there's a seawater fish. And I'm like, that's a lot of work just to disable some amount of fish and you forget that he can also affect birds that are water adjacent. I I say sea life and I mean, like, he can communicate and command sea life to do his bidding. We're also talking, like, seagulls, water buffalo, uh, I'm presuming herons, uh, you know, things like that, pelicans, albatross um it's kind of a broad understanding of what creatures of the sea are at this instance if it has to do with water or has water in the name it's likely something that aquaman can command to do something i would have drawn the line at water buffalo but we saw early in the coverage of aquaman that he can command a water buffalo (laughs) but i didn't write the character that was a decision um and aquaman of course and aqualad uh just disable the machine that is converting things to to freshwater by putting like little scuba outfits on the gills of their finny friends which i thought was amazing i was it like was that's so good i was like that's a, that's a pretty sweet q gadgetry from from the q branch there oh man good for you and they have like it's a shark with like scuba tanks over its gills and it's like swimming through freshwater and i'm like that's dope i like that a lot i don't know where he got it presumably from atlantis but like we never we never see him make it we never see him fabricate any of that stuff But he has it, and it works. I want to say there was something about, like, an outfitter
1: that he works with. Just like, oh, this is a guy who makes normally, like, scuba stuff, and he did a quick rush job. Yeah. But fundamentally, yeah, it's very... we're going to see that a lot. It it feels natural that he has access to these resources because he's doing things for so many people. And the things that he asks for are not super science. It's just uh the kind of thing you can imagine someone macgyvering over an evening so it kind of feels like i could imagine him just like knocking on the door of someone who runs a scuba shop uh somewhere like outside boston and just like i gotcha
0: yeah showcase number 32 may june 1961 a thief drinks a potion that turns him into a large ocean creature monster man kaiju thing and he wreaks havoc and steals a bunch of stuff and Aquaman and Aqualad are powerless to stop him but they trick him into drinking the antidote by pretending that they've been defeated and once he drinks the antidote and he can spend all of his money because no one's going to deal business with a giant monster, I guess, um, they arrest him. Detective Comics, number 293, July 1961. Aquaman and Aqualad deliver maritime newspapers to help a guy out. Straight up, they just it's a whole issue of them delivering news specifically for maritime news like you know how in your local town you had like the times or the register or whatever whatever your local you know like if san francisco chronicle the new york times the la times or whatever you've got those major papers but then like you get the smaller paper that your local community puts out every Thursday that's just covering community events I feel like that's what the maritime newspaper is is like hey this is basically for anybody who hangs out at the docks to like know weather patterns or like what fish are in season and things like that I don't know why I'm explaining this I just find it's a fun little anecdote <laughs>
1: it, it definitely feels that way it feels like reading the Sunnyvale sign the Sunnyvale Sun where the text is a little bit too big uh, it honestly you know what it is it's. I just realized why the text always seemed a little larger. It's so that people who are older can read the local
0: news. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah. So he just literally um, delivers newspapers. Um, also, this is the first ep- uh, the first issue of Detective Comics that Aquaman appears in, which we mentioned uh, a couple of Superman episodes ago. Um, that Aquaman has started appearing in. Uh, no, it was in, uh, Martian Manhunter. So, this is when he has started to appear in Detective Comics as another story. Within there, he has moved out of Adventure Comics, presumably, because maybe he's doing better. Um, then we get into showcase number 33, July-August, 1961. Aquaman and Lad go to Venus to help out, uh, some Venusians overthrow a tyrant who has taken over the city, slash, the planet, question mark. Um they notice uh, a UFO kind of landing in the water, and they uh, confront these Venusians who are like, hi, we're just trying to escape a tyrant on our planet, we mean you no harm, we just want to have like a tiny little bubble, sort of Atlantis city that we have, we promise we'll keep all of our uh, Venusian creatures and sea creatures at bay within our bubble, we're so sorry if there were any problems in Aquaman and Aqua like, oh wow, like, we'll help you out, like, not a problem, the ocean's really huge, you seem like chill folks, and then, the Venusian tyrant finds them, brings them back to Venus with a bunch of also like Earth, maritime creatures as well, um, and as they are in on Venus at this town or city as it is, uh, because apparently Venus is the other aquatic planet in our solar system. Um, not a not an astronomer uh, can't verify the validity of that statement, cannot cannot confirm or deny whether or not Venus is a primary liquid or ocean-based planet fairly certain it isn't and if it is it's not going to be ocean that aquaman or aqualag can probably stay stay alive in due to its proximity to the sun we're not going to talk about that (laughs) we're going to just gloss over the fact that this is probably boiling water uh, that they're in that they would die in but you know fuck it um and they help the Venusians overthrow their tyrant. And the Venusians are like, hey, thanks, man. Now that we're, we're no longer under the oppressive yoke of the sky, we'll stay on our planet, but we'll help you get back to yours. And they're like, oh, thanks, man. And uh, presumably the ocean creatures from Earth were brought along so that Aquaman could command some other creatures to help them in the fight because he couldn't command Venusian creatures because he's not the king of their seas. Go so figure. that's
1: actually an interesting thought. Like, I wonder if we're going to end up There's definitely going to be more sci-fi stories with Aquaman just because that's the way all of this is trending right now. I wonder if in future stories he will be able to control
0: alien sea life. Yeah, I mean, it's later as the character progresses, it becomes that he can suggest telepathically to anything with a specific evolutionary biological factor. So, like, he can't communicate with people, but he can, like, make humans have seizures, Because they have similar evolved parts of their brain that is mildly fish-like. And that's a thing that he can communicate with and like cause them to have like a grand mal seizure. It's like, I don't know. Uh, Moving on to Detective Comics number 294, August 1961. A criminal creates mechanical sea creatures and uses them to commit piracy. And Aquaman and Aqualad are confused at first by machines that are very poor facsimiles of ocean life. But they get over that fact very quickly and stop him. We're now going to jump to our th- our uh, next new title that Aquaman appears in chronologically. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number 55, September 1961. He appears for like two panels, maybe four. And it's Superman approaching Jimmy Olsen saying like, hey, uh, Aquaman and I have to go out of town for a while to do a thing on another planet. Uh, we're going to give you Aquaman's power so you can cover for him. And my first thought was, where the fuck is Aqualad? Why aren't you talking to him? Mm-hmm. Why aren't, you, why aren't you going to Aquaman's sidekick who literally is with him the entire time, all the time, and just being like, hey, if you need any help, here's a Justice League communicator. But screw all that. It's a Jimmy Olsen book. So yep. Jimmy's the most important person. And we're going to forget that another young individual exists in the universe. And we're just going to give Jimmy Aquaman's powers through a helmet that Superman makes. So Superman's just got a helmet that transfers people's powers to other people that wear off over time. That's ridiculous. Um some love lovesick sea monster madness ensues uh where a love lovesick sea monster tries to impress jimmy by do by mimicking him on a large scale which of course causes destruction and mayhem and then Lori lamaris is like oh you idiot here's some atlantean sea creatures to like put that one back in its frozen glacier thing whatever and all is well and aquaman and superman come back they're like hey is everything okay and he's like not really a bunch of stuff got broken and they're like well we're never doing this again and that's <laughs> the end of the story um Detective Comics number 295, September 1961. A guy pretending to be a sea hermit is really using his houseboat to kind of uh, harbor some fugitives as well as himself on open waters and international waters to outlive a statute of limitations for a crime that they committed. Now, that is actually the most convoluted plot we've seen. And also, I guarantee that's probably some dime novel... Uh, airport fiction book that you have seen, which I honestly would read because I think it's interesting. And he pretends to have like a curse on his, around his houseboat that is manned or manufactured by the people who are in the hull of the houseboat. Um, but the thing is, what really got me about this story was what his houseboat looked like. It looked like a trash barge with oh, an yeah. honest to with an honest to god house on it. Not like a square boat with a big motor that was very wide that had multiple rooms and what have you. It looked like a fucking barge that someone just plopped a Sims house on. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not a real thing. (laughs) I was like, that's just not how that works. It had a chimney and everything. I was like, that's... Somebody doesn't know what a houseboat looks like. (laughs) That was just what they were told to draw. I'm like, that's not structurally sound. Like, that can't be... how. Ha- like, there's a reason our our houseboats don't look like that. There has to be. Regardless, it was just dumb, and I thought that was worth pointing out. It looked very <laughs> out of place. It was like... That's not what that looks like, right? Like, that's, that's fake? That was a mistake? Um, Detective Comics, number 296, October 1961. A guy dressed like a quote-unquote demon. We'll just say the creature from the Black Lagoon. He looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon on a Sea-Doo. Or... <laughs> or like a seahorse that looks like a sea do or a sea do rather that looks like a, uh, yeah, like a jet ski. Oh yeah. A guy dressed like a demon, a, uh, also, or, you know, replaced by a creature from the black lagoon is frightening a local population of indigenous individuals into thinking that they, he has cursed their water for reasons that are criminal in nature. And Aquaman just, you know, Scooby doo's his way out of the situation going like, look, it's really a man and pulls the mask off. Um, and uh, then we move, to, we move to Detective Comics number 297, November 1961. Aqualad stands in as a stunt double for a young man who looks exactly like him by doing all the aquatic swimming stunts that this young man can't do. This is a little different than what we were talking about a couple episodes ago about having cops doing stuff. Like when we, had, uh, we were talking about uh, Diane being a stunt double. Oh, yeah. This is a superhero who is choosing to do it has no real allegiance other than saying that he's American. Um, well, actually, no, Aqualad's Atlantean. Aqualad's doing this, and he's doing it to make sure that it's safe because it genuinely is easier for him to do it because he has ocean powers. This isn't a situation of like, well, you could just hire a stunt double. It's like Aqualad could make this visually look really cool because he can swim so much better. He just happens to look exactly like the kid. So not quite the same As we were talking about when it was like, don't have cops support things because it makes a statement. Um, Aquaman just kind of, or Aqualad just kind of gets a little pissed because the kid's getting all the credit for all the good shots. And then the kid tries to save him at one point from a sea mine. And they're like, oh, wow, gee whiz, we're really good friends. And and he's like, maybe I'll teach you how to swim someday, actor kid. And he's like, and I can teach you how to act. And now they're best friends, I guess. Question mark. It,
1: It kind of felt like the first act of an like early 90s Olsen twins movie.
0: Yeah. Or, yeah, I could see that. or like a weird version of the parent trap. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Detective Comics number 2, 98 December 1961. Aquaman keeps a hidden sea peace summit safe from terrorists who try to stop it and at the end he gets a statue erected of uh for creating peace between two nations. That was kind of nice uh Aquaman just being a a nice guy making sure that people can talk things out in a diplomatic manner because that's what's nice as opposed to forcing them to doing it he's allowing them to do it on their own terms and making sure that they are safely able to do so without threat of violence good on you Aquaman you're just just a just a stand-up guy detective comics number 299 January 1962 hooray happy new year uh an old man old old sea salt looking dude um kind of looks like captain haddock but older um Oh, yeah. Is. Yeah, he's just got a white beard. Um is telling young children all these stories of him helping Aquaman out in different scrapes. And his granddaughter's like, Grandpa, stop telling lies. We know you know you didn't actually know Aquaman. And he's like, Ah, but the kids like it, and I'm just teaching them stories about how to overcome adversity. And then Aquaman actually shows up and the kids are like, Oh my god, Aquaman, look, it's Mr. So-and-so. Isn't he like the guy who taught you everything you know? And so Aquaman's like, Who is this dude? And suddenly like a real emergency shows up where a ship is going to be like swallowed by a typhoon and the guy goes like well if I was a ship I I would hope I was a submarine I just go under the water and Aquaman goes you're a genius and gets a bunch of animals to basically seal the ship up and they put it underwater while the typhoon passes over and it's not destroyed and then he kind of goes up to the old man he's like boy old man so-and-so, I wish you were with me on all my missions, you can give me good ideas like that, wink, and then walks away, and all the kids are like, oh my god, it's real, everything's real, and his granddaughter's like, just, I won't say anything ever again, that was pretty cool, and he's like, yeah, it was, I'm old, (laughs) leave me alone. Um, No, he wasn't that aggressive, he was just happy. Um, Aquaman, number one, January, February, 1962. I'm not going to say happy new year again, because it's already in the new year, but this comes out at the same time as Detective Comics, number 299, so Aquaman, number one, we get a new character. Quisp. Uh, Q-U-I-S-P is a water sprite fairy creature. Not a fifth dimensional imp. Just a underwater. He looks like the elf on a shelf. Oh, yeah. Uh... Quisp tells Aquaman and Aqualad that a threat of fire trolls who have recently surfaced out of a volcano that has erupted undersea are now coming to take over the land because they can't be stopped and they're like oh sweet now we can live above water and burn everything that we want and and burninate all the towns um, and be superior and Aquaman and Aqualad use kind of like Freon to stop them in a combination with Quisp's magic to shrink them and hooray they win. And Quisp was like, I might come back. And I'm like, I hope you don't. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but you'll never replace Topo, who keeps showing up just as the best octopus anyone could ever want or have. Um, so Topo, still, still a major staple in Aquaman, Aqualed stories, showing up just being awesome. So first thing we're going to talk about is Aquaman as your local neighborhood watch character. He is your friendly neighborhood Aquaman. Aquaman seems to just be the guy who's around in every ocean. I'm going to say primarily Atlantic-based oceans because everyone seems to be dressed in very heavy coats and they look... They're worried about typhoons, which don't really happen <laughs> on the Pacific. Um, I
1: have no idea if that's the
0: case. Uh, oh. they uh, You can get a typhoon in Florida, I believe, or hurricane at least. Um mm. I don't know that I'm not really sure the difference between a, a hurricane and a typhoon, but tropical storms are more regular um on the east coast than they are on the west on the west coast. Anyway, um I just like that Aquaman seems to be so well known for just helping folks out that like you said someone was willing to just like do a quick rig of scuba gear to to have salt water in it. And it really does feel like When you watch the Justice League movie and you watch the Aquaman movie, there's a definite feeling that Aquaman is an established character in the sense that the locals know who he is and they just treat him well because he helps them out. And this kind of feels like the start of that, where folks are like, oh, hey, Aquaman, or like, hey, Aquaman, could you help me deliver papers or... Oh, thanks for saving us, Aquaman. Could you give us a tow to to, ma- to the mainland? Or like, oh, Aquaman needs my help. What can I do for you? Like, he just seems like it's it's big man on campus without the ego. He's the nice guy that everyone likes because he does things for everyone. And in return, people like do him a solid. And we talked about this earlier when we, in, in our coverage of Aquaman, how it's like he seems to do just like work for people. Like we made that joke where he's like check his email to like look for jobs and gets like, you know, bills. He genuinely seems to just be doing odd jobs for people in a way that when Superman does it, it genuinely seems like a waste of his powers. But when Aquaman does it, it's like, wow, you're doing them a solid you know, Superman building an orphanage in 10 seconds seems uh, like, why are you doing this? This is kind of mundane. If you're doing this, why aren't you doing this everywhere for every building? Versus Aquaman, it's like, oh, that was really great. Like, yeah, you saved that ship from being destroyed. Or you delivering those things for that guy could only be done by you because of your ability to command the ocean creatures. Or stopping pirates is a big deal. Or saving sailors from being drowned. Um, and I wonder if that has to do with how confined his power set is Mm -hmm. and how confined his area of operation is
1: i think there's a couple different pieces there i think i think it's in part because we don't have the same associations of awe and scale with superman and as we do or with aquaman as we do with superman and i think it's also that we don't have that power creep isn't even the right word but the powers that Aquaman has are extremely localized in other things uh specifically like he can get a bunch of animals together and he can clearly like he can influence them in ways to like have wide-reaching effects uh like there's a sequence where he has a essentially like a morse code like lantern network that just like pings like uh like uh like signal fires uh it's it's the uh gondor calls for aid moment Mm -hmm. and it's clear like that has some range and he calls animals from a long distance but it's extremely localized within like he gets however many whales and they're there with him he brings them to him we don't see him like from a distance masterminding anything so you and additionally like him personally he's basically like a batman like we don't see him have anything beyond like a light grade of strength like not we're not even talking uh spider-man super strength we're talking mm, yeah
0: he's stronger than your average dude like he's probably peak Peak um, professional athlete. Yeah. I would imagine he's pretty strong if he's swimming like that all the time anyway. I mean, he's going to be normally stronger than other people because he's swimming so much. And if he can swim at the deep depths of the ocean, I'm going to give him also just stronger than normal strength because Mm -hmm. if he's swimming at that pressure, he has the ability to do it. We don't see him doing anything super strong, but I'm going to give him that power just because I'm like, you have to be just to be able to do that
1: yeah uh you know what he has the same level of super strength as say wolverine
0: yeah yeah i'll I'll give you that like it, it just because wolverine has to lift his bones because they're all made of metal you know and so he gets mm-hmm. buff yeah no i'll give you that uh, absolutely yeah um and,
1: and then just the other side of in addition to in this moment his powers are enacting themselves in very scaled down ways and also yeah we don't have the association of superman being like superman we're in a bit of an aberrant period right now with superman i believe and by right now i mean the period that we're reading in where he is the boy scout sheriff the guy who does all the stuff uh he he is the guy who will or at least clark will take the place of another reporter for a week Uh, Mm -hmm. that's not different than what Aquaman's doing but we aren't coming at it with the same baggage Uh, or rather we aren't coming at Aquaman with the same baggage because even before this in the golden age Superman was power Superman was awe in a different way than he is now like now it's awe as much for The fact that he does everything as that he can do everything, but there's no question, like, Superman is a character that we approach in a way that is big. And the this era is not big for any of these characters, but especially for like Superman's domestic stories. But yeah, but we still come at it with
0: that baggage the scope is there but it doesn't have the same accoutrement of epic superman sneezing away a solar system is a gag that's right it's a gag because it's done in a panel it's done in a panel versus it's a whole page of him destroying planets with a sneeze as with aquaman him commanding a pod of whales is pretty substantial You know, the panel in which that's occurring is, like, a big page-long, you know, uh, horizontal panel of him, like, getting whales to weigh something down or make a runway for a plane. He's not doing small things, you know. He's doing large-scale plans with these creatures. It's just not... It's not galactic-level cool. It's, wow, on earth that's pretty dope Mm -hmm. and it and it makes a case for him in the justice league because this is a thing that only he can do as if you're if you're doing the we need someone who's goodness in the air who's good on land who has really strong powers and we need a water person because frankly our planet's two-thirds water it makes sense to have him
1: i'm gonna throw another bit in there the fact that it's not he's not doing these things these actions through some indefinite power but through animals through things that we know we have at least in this era we grew up watching like national geographic stuff we grew up watching blue planet uh kratz creatures Fu, like we know the size of a whale and you tell me someone is commanding 12 of those at once to do a thing it's like oh that's power But it's also super grounded. So it makes sense that he feels
0: powerful, but also mundane. Yeah. It's honestly the same level of impressive as Wonder Woman. Yeah. Wonder Woman just happens to be doing like fantasy things. Yes. That's the word for it. Yeah. She's doing fantasy sci-fi because she's dealing with giants and aliens and things like that. And Aquaman is helping people. It's more impressive because we have a we have a frame of reference yeah it's fantastic for wonder woman and superman because it's aliens and it's space and it's you know s- you know surviving explosions and dealing with you know giant creatures versus aqua it's like i've seen a storm i know how scary that is watching someone you know, save a boat in a hurricane by commanding a bunch of sea creatures to pull it below the waves before it gets destroyed. That's cool. Because it's 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 a frame of reference. And I think that's an interesting way of looking at him. Yeah, sure, he can't stay on land for an hour. But what he can do is really interesting. Um, before Before we jump into the next point, I also want to just make a point of saying every single sailor talks like a pirate. (laughs) They're like, shiver me timbers, captain. Look, it's a storm. Aquaman's off the bow. And I'm like, who in the 1960s is talking like that?
1: (laughs) Oh, it's it's slightly worse, actually. Because I made a point of writing this one down because it hurt. The line wasn't shiver. The line was, shiver my timbers
0: oh no oh no it's not even me yeah that's disappointing on a lot of levels anyway i just found it really funny that every sailor and or captain one felt entirely comfortable stopping their ship to to bend over the side and talk to aquaman like not like superman thank god you're here they're like hey aquaman can you do an xyz thing and he's like you got it jeff and then like would do it <laughs> it's, he's the most like neighborhood friendly superhero and I love it. Um but also like everyone's a pirate except for people on land and I think it's hilarious. Um the second point we should get to is talking about the fact that Jack Miller's writing these. Jack yeah. Miller, who we hate on Martian Manhunter because those those stories are so boring. We're not gonna go into why they're boring. You've you the episodes are there. Listen to the episodes. Now but we are gonna talk about right now, really quickly, is I think what you what you said sums it up very well. Animals are more exciting than powers only, I think, because they require ingenuity. There's a creativeness in every solution because he has to know how to use these fish and each one is different than the last. Sure, he has his favorites like swordfish or jellyfish or whales, but it's like hatchet fish, puffer fish doing this, seagulls carrying sea sponges to drop water on a fire. It's like, that's crazy complex versus like i'm gonna turn invisible and follow these guys now i'm gonna look like this i'm gonna do my martian thing oh no it's fire it's like how is akman gonna solve this oh my god he got those octopi to turn into propeller things and they're pushing a boat and I was like to me i'm like the complex nature of the animals being used situationally was way cooler because it was more fun i will definitely agree with that the
1: one thing i'll point out is it there were a lot of times where even though the idea was creative it was reused a couple times like sawfish cut a thing down and it falls into the ocean or just in general like it got it got to the point where there were at least a couple animals that would get reused in the same way not all of the things were reused as though and Honestly, there were enough hijinks per issue, per story, that it it wasn't as though it was disproportionately reuses. But I think an important bit there is that the initial idea was creative enough that seeing it used a second and a third time was still way more interesting than the first time that a power was used in
0: a sort of sem- blandish way. Yeah, and it's just... It's more fun to see the the animals than it is to see oh. Martian Manhunter do. Now, Aquaman also seems just more approachable. Yes, <laughs> like John Jones has friends, but Aquaman just seems super friendly. Aquaman just seems like a good dude. And forgive me for using such a stupid barometer for how cool a guy is, but Aquaman seems like a guy you want to have a beer with. Yeah, like that's a dumb that's a dumb thing to judge your political candidates of off of. But as a superhero, I'm like, yeah, Aquaman seems like a kind of guy that like if you saw him on the street and you like wanted to buy him a drink, you'd be like, yeah, sure. He doesn't seem above anybody. He doesn't seem to distance himself from the population like Martian managers like I am an I am a Martian and you are Earthlings and I cannot associate with you very much beyond the people who I'm close to for the purpose of plot. Whereas Aquaman seems to be like, yeah, what's that? You need me to deliver newspapers? You got it, Jeff. You know, rest your foot. (laughs) Like, stay off it for two weeks, do your physical therapy, and he'll go and do the thing. And I just like that about him.
1: He's still very much a similar character to, like, the stoic white male archetype that we have through most of these stories. Like, not... I think... At this stage, Kal-El is a little, is more smiley, like jokey, but certainly Martian Manhunter, is, uh, John Jones, is that like stoic white man. And it's not so much that Aquaman is an entirely different character, but I think it's that character with the
0: scowl and the smirk removed. He reminds me actually a lot of Hal Jordan without without the sex yeah yeah he's just a he's just a dude just he's just a guy just a bro kind of a thing not in the like oh what's going on you know like that kind of a guy but he just seems like an average person a mensch who ha- yeah yeah he seems like a mensch he's just a just a just a guy that is a good dude it kind of sucks that
1: we've saddled aquaman with this joke of Oh, he talks to whales. But yeah, man, he yeah. talks to whales. Whales
0: are crazy big yeah. and scary. <laughs> yeah, and there's a whole there's a whole book about a whale killing people, man. Like whales are no joke. <laughs> like
1: to some degree, it feels like like the modern versions of Aquaman have almost been Aquaman apologists in yeah. in the sense of, "Oh, let's not over not hideously overcorrect, but definitely overcorrect a bit towards the side of a little grim action uh uh I don't talk to fish, I dominate fish. But talking to fish is really cool. You know yeah. what it is? We we need something that is a little more serious than Beast Boy, but that kind of playfulness not, not even the playfulness, we, just like, yeah, we have I, that. I, I we I'm do. cool it's, with it's, I'm cool with the slightly dorky side of being the animal hero. We we have that. It's Animal Man. You know
0: what? Yeah, it's Buddy Baker. Maybe. You know, and I, that, I we'll eventually get about. to him in the, in the Bronze Age, but that's an Alan Moore character.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Animal Animal Man is I get animal powers. That's my thing. <laughs> and and there's nothing wrong with that but i think you're right i think you're on to the idea that he it's it's not removing the camp of the situation so much so as it's not focusing on it Mm -hmm. can we just like
1: take a moment to acknowledge or make clear to the listener how great topo is
0: yeah it's a fun it's a fun thing like it's like crypto yeah It's just crypto except it doesn't except Topo doesn't talk and it's not overstepping its character need. Yes.
1: Uh, I think that was one of the things that we called out. I guess this was the first episode that we did in the Silver Age which wow that makes it like what a year and a half ago. But we called out then that one of the reasons Topo worked so much was we didn't get a ton of focus on him. He shows up and is there either in the background, uh, and then has like one or
0: two good panels? An issue. It's not the focus of the situation. I, I I agree.
1: Yeah, and Topo is like has cartoonishly big eyes, and I I think we gotta we gotta come back to the inherent coolness of a lot of sea animals, uh, because I do think the fact that Topo is an octopus just makes him cooler than yeah. crypto in a lot of ways because crypto's a dog and he's an octopus and the idea of an octopus holding like four like knife grinders is so <laughs> it's good it's pretty funny that, oh, that man, moment there's... where it's just like i just want a visual of topo holding eight knives
0: at once i just want that topo ain't fooling around man topo Topo's topo's from the mean streets of Atlantis. He'll find you. He'll, he'll take you out. <laughs> and Anyway, I, I know I have dominated much of our post-summary here, but do you have notes? Have we covered a lot of your notes, or have we not even touched them? We've covered pieces of
1: it. Uh, okay. So other th- other big things. Um, yeah, we, we talked a lot already about how sea animals are just kind of cooler than bland uses of powers. Uh, your point that this was Jack Miller writing this as well really brings that home for me. Like I think it is both sea animals are cooler than land animals in a lot of ways and animals in general are cooler than just ungrounded powers, especially when we're frankly dealing with power sets that are usually meant to be fantastic. Like x-ray vision for whatever reason, the powers that we see mostly used in this era feel a little more, airy ethereal a a little more untouchable because i think partly because they're not as science-sized this isn't an era of power levels this isn't an era of scouters this is an era where superman just x-rays can do a bunch of things and there's no clear limitations on it uh there's no sense of like oh this is too much for me to handle it's not it, we haven't had the scienceization of the prequel trilogy yet. We're still dealing with strong in the force. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a result, like, animals are more grounded. And, frankly, like, in an era where stories are this short and the art is not always the most compelling or the most intricate or best compositions, like, I can visualize things with animals better than I can visualize, like, power usages. Like, if... You can show me a panel where they say, let's plug up all of the like windows and holes on this boat with jellyfish and then let it like sink down so that it's and it'll still be like watertight. I can visualize that with uh, the jellyfish in my head, even if you're not showing me that cool of a panel, whereas if it's just like a force field that there's no visual implication there. Having that grounding matters. Anyways, uh, that's enough on that subject. We've beaten that dead horse. The shift between the different issues that we looked at, we had a number where these stories were fairly long. Like Adventure was 12 pages per story. Showcase, uh, those were fairly long stories. And then Detective Comics. And those were down to six pages. And a lot of the time we've said that the shortness of the story doesn't necessarily dictate the quality. I think these are instances where the quality is noticeably worse when it, when it is six pages versus 12. Uh, And I think the reason that's the case is because it really shifts the focus of the story to the setup and the villain. Uh, It doesn't like introduce the story that much faster. It's still like, two pages of the six to set up, Oh, here's the villain. And here's the, here's the shtick for this one. And then it's four pages for animal hijinks. It, to me, the thing that was most interesting about these stories suffered by having these shorter time periods and still having so much time taken up by the
0: setup that really hit me pretty hard with those six
1: page stories
0: yeah and the the longer stories you're talking about were in um showcase the showcase stories were were 24 pages um that that was um the venusian story that's right those were entire issue stories weren't they right and uh and the the fire trolls were in aquaman one um and I think this, the showcase story about the Venusians was cool. It was just like, this, this seems like a Superman story. Yep. And I think that was the only reason it wasn't one of my favorites. It was one of the better written ones. And it was a little cooler because it was like, you know, Aquaman swimming away from like laser guns and like working with new types of fish and stuff. But it was like, this is this is not what Aquaman does. You know, like this isn't his thing. And. Yeah. It just felt a little out of place, but it was cool to see him have that room to breathe to tell a more epic story.
1: Yeah, I feel I feel reasonably confident saying that the the sci fi like aliens and super tech stuff that's in Aquaman stories are generally the weaker ones. I think like sea monsters. I'm 100% there for, but I don't need the I don't need any
0: super sci fi. Yeah, we don't need evolution rays.
1: Yeah. God. And that was the same story. We've seen that somewhere, I want to say. In In Aquaman. Was it? It It was was an Aquaman story previously,
0: and also we've seen that with the Flash. Yeah. It's not exciting.
1: Yeah, so those are the big ones. I'm just going to go through, because I've got kind of a laundry list of entertaining little things. Uh, I just want to call out, because they're fun. Um, I... I was really glad in the story where the guy was desalinating the water to make that like area around him that was all fresh water. Like Aquaman didn't realize it at first. So I'm like are they like are the writers not realizing the effect that desalinating all this water would have and are they really playing that off like it's not going to kill a bunch of fish? Okay, they get it. All right. Yeah. So I don't I haven't f- seen anything in these stories that felt like the writer completely screwed up. Like, they're yeah. definitely animals doing things where it's like, I don't think pufferfish are good at, like, bailing out, uh, like, a sinking boat. <laughs> like, I don't think that works like that.
0: It's but, a lot of pufferfish to be doing that, yeah. Yeah.
1: But uh, in terms of, like, you didn't think through the consequences of this, I don't think we hit any real issues like that.
0: Yeah, they were, for for excusing the pun, they're pretty airtight stories. (laughs) Damn it. But you're, but they, they are, they're, they're, they're fairly solid, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, I think that also is to the credit of the creativity of the use of fish. Um, it really, like I said, what a difference a character makes. Yep. Uh,
1: I have written down in all caps, God, yes, scuba fish.
0: Yeah, scuba fish.
1: Uh, the evolution Ray story uh, for the record, like the name of it is like the fish from 1 billion BC or something like that. And a billion years BC is almost 500 million years before the first mollusks evolved. So we're not getting giant like fish at that point. Like that's like, I think before or contemporary with the Cambrian explosion where We basically went from tiny, tiny life to, okay, slightly more complex life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. This is a thing that bugged me. Um, In, I think, everything except for adventures, uh, they almost always had a little uh, caption of explaining that the reason that Aquaman and Aqualad were able to, like, telepathically communicate underwater was because they'd like, spent enough time underwater to learn to do it the way the Atlanteans did. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a while, so correct me if I'm wrong, but they're both Atlanteans, right? Like, Aquaman is half-Atlantean, uh, and Aqualad is that kind of Atlantean that's a little different.
0: Yeah, that is correct. They are both Atlantean. Uh, Aqualad has purple eyes, which usually denotes a mm-hmm. uh, birth defect, uh, not allowing him to live underwater. But he is immune to that birth defect. He just has purple eyes. Yeah.
1: Actually, this is something we didn't bring up at all. We didn't see anything of Atlantis in this. The we did not. That we got was Laurie from the other version of
0: Atlantis in the Jimmy Olsen story. Yeah, that was actually interesting. Uh, now that you mention it,
1: <laughs> I I kind of wonder if. We're going to see a trend towards like the consolidation of concepts uh where like I said su- it would be very easy for them to co-opt uh Laurie into like an amalgamated version of uh Atlantis
0: yeah which honestly i would I would like to see them start to streamline their universe into a more cohesive world Canon consolidation there we go that's what I want
1: a lot of the animals are a lot of the monsters specifically are really pretty cool. Like there's the construction fish that the Venetians mm. have. Like there's just a giant fish with a big old shovel face. And yeah. that was awesome. <laughs> that uh, was cool. The, I think the devolved <clears throat> monsters are pretty cool from when there's the evolution Ray, like there's like, like, A narwhal that's the size of like a kraken. And I'm just imagining like seeing instead of like a giant like megalodon shark fin in the water. It's just like, no, there's a giant spike. There's another one that's like basically a flying fish rodan. Just. Yeah, that was right. Yeah. They're not the most imaginative, but they're cool. I just like those monster designs.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: what else uh worth noting uh the story where the guy transforms himself into a red sea monster and then eventually takes the antidote thinking that uh aquaman is dead and it turns out he's not uh he's basically an aquatic version of the big red monster from looney tunes and i'm okay with that what's the name of that creature
0: uh gossamer it's got a name gossamer that's right yeah, cuz I looked it up and like, what? Okay. I was going to say Sweetum, but that's the big monster guy from the Muppets. Uh
1: there's a great panel like the octopuses are just like MVPs in this. The octopus and the octopuses are strong enough to be like propellers. The octopuses are strong enough to throw rocks underwater. And there's a great panel of them just like off panel like topo surprise attacks uh to Venetian guards. And it's just, like, it's the classic panel of, like, tentacles from off-panel, like, wrapping around the mouth and grabbing, like, the body and just, like, one of those, like, animal or monster attack kind of things. (laughs) So it's just, like, it's just, I like, I like like the animals in this. It just makes me happy. Uh, Also, on Venus, there are gold kelp forests, and it's super cool. Like, honestly, they, it seems like they kind of, there might be like the flowers at the like top 10 feet of the kelp, but as native Californians, especially like I grew up going to the Monterey Bay Aquarium. So like a gold kelp forest sounds fucking awesome. Kelp forest is my favorite room. Mm, Nice. Uh, I mean, outer bay for me, but Uh, what else do I have? There's also just a great bit where the, where Aquaman, in the course of trying to dissuade a plane from attacking uh, the peace ship, uh, he gets a bunch of squids to just ink the hell out of this area of the water, and then he gets some uh, whales to come up and like blowhole, just spout a whole bunch of the ink up into the windshield of the plane, and so it has to break off its strafing run. It's just. You were talking earlier about creative use of animals and that yes is
0: that ingenuity man it's it's surprising to see how creative a writer can be when given the tools to be creative
1: yep and i think I've, i should have brought this one up earlier because it's a great example but the entire issue with quist quisp quisp, quisp uh, with a p is a, such a good example of this because you have chunks of it where it is the animal powers and then there are chunks where they are shrunk and they're shrunk for an entire chapter of that story and that's a whole different thing uh and then there's quisp's uh powers and the way it interacts with different things like you have a bunch of different power sources on display in this story and it really showcases how much more compelling the animal powers are then, oh, you're small, so you have to be inventive and you're small. Oh, you have magic powers, so yeah, stuff happens. And one last thing, because it just it struck me, and I loved it. Uh, I think this was probably uh, a lettering issue, like someone wrote a C instead of a G, but the monster that Jimmy Olsen uh, it has like imprint on him uh, says the sound effect, glonk, glonk, clonk. And that's
0: just my favorite playground game from now on. <laughs> uh, you said that was it for you? Ça, c'est tout. All right. Recommendations. I have been cooking a lot out of the Bob's Burgers cookbook. Mm. Uh, and it is really fun. And I have liked the burgers so far. Um, I have made the I've Created a Munster Burger. And the Onion Tended Consequences Burger. (laughs) They are both very good. Um, I look forward to making more, but it is a surprisingly, I mean, like it's not hard to make burgers, but these are good burgers. Like the Onion Tended Consequences Burger is a bunch of grilled sautéed onions or rather sautéed onions with goat cheese on toasted buns and a fresh spring mix salad on the bun as well. That's really good. (laughs) Like, I was really surprised by that. It's just, it's also, it says, like, all the burgers in the book are the burgers of the day in different episodes. So at the top, where it tells you what the burger's called, underneath it, it says what season and what episode it's in. So you can go back and watch it and whatever. And I just think it's fun to, like, mess around with them. And my family got it for me a couple Christmases ago, and I've been cooking from it finally. And it's, it's good. It's fun. So if you have a desire to cook burgers... Um, instead of cooking the same type, you could experiment with like different types of cheese and what have you, and, you know, greens or accoutrement on your burger. And I think it's fun too, if you eat burgers, that is, I imagine it probably tastes fine if you were eating vegan burgers as well.
1: On my end, what I'm going to recommend is I watched as much of dragon ball z kai as i could like stream through amazon and then for whatever reason the last like season the last third of uh the cell saga is you can only get it on a disc so i have like four blu-rays of seven episodes each that i have put off sitting down to watch because it's hard to find time to use an actual blu-ray player good lord Mm. uh but what I wound up doing was just sitting down literally Saturday morning cartoons and then again on Sunday a little bit and watching it, watching DBZ with that framework instead of being, instead of looking for drama, instead of being all about the moments, it, for whatever reason, being in the mindset of, oh, this is a Saturday morning cartoon made the individual moments much more enjoyable it also helped uh this was the first time like because i was watching it at our place like rebecca joined me halfway through an episode and watched uh decent like we wound up watching like seven or eight episodes together all told and watching it with someone who this is their first exposure real exposure to dragon ball is pretty cool and watching it without expecting it to be much more than a Saturday morning cartoon irons out some of the what I think of as pacing issues certainly the slow pacing if if I'm not expecting a ton from it then it's a much more enjoyable
0: watch getting to the really cool moments Hmm, that's cool at any rate We shall be moving back to other Justice Leaguers. I believe the next one we shall deal with is Wonder Woman, which shall be fun. And then after that, I believe Green Arrow. And then we get to the Brave and the Bold. And then we're back to Justice League. So it'll be a fun ride uh, when we get there. And we'll get some exciting new things. And we'll see you all next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our time with The Ocean's
1: Guardian was short, but we were leaving with a smile. We gained a new respect for a writer we'd written off who'd been emblematic of all of our issues with the Silver Age. It was a good reminder that quality depended so much on whether they mesh with the kinds of stories they were tasked with. Sadly, we couldn't stay. It was time for us to cross the sea back to Themyscira.